Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Plenty to get to. Going to break down the bracket is finally uh, March Madness. We get, we're going to actually get a tournament this year, which is fantastic. Badgers, a 9 seed. They're going to face North Carolina on Friday in the South region, going to be playing at Mackey Arena, a place that has not been overly great to them, but at least they're not playing Purdue or having a loud, raucous crowd there. But uh, we also got a couple of, of guests coming up. Bart Torvik uh, breaks it down from an analytics angle. He's from barttorvik.com. Uh, we had a really good conversation with him. and also going to be chatting with Wisconsin State Journal's Jim Polzine. But Jesse, uh, just to get your uh, raw reaction, first, first thoughts when you saw that uh, Wisconsin was going to be a nine seed a lot of people had them projected as a seven. Some had them as an eight. They fall to the nine line, and uh, they will take on North Carolina on Friday. Well, I think if you're a Badgers fan, you just kind of cringe a little bit. Um, I look at it like, to me, almost worst-case scenario. Um, you're playing a big-name program that, granted, has struggled in the same way that Wisconsin has, had high expectations coming in. But North Carolina is extremely talented, long, and athletic. The type of team that I think – gives Wisconsin trouble. And then obviously you're staring at a potential second round matchup against a Baylor team that went 22 and two was fantastic for much of the season. And Wisconsin would be hard pressed to get out of the first weekend. But when we talk to, to Greg guard and the players, they're obviously just happy to be in the situation given where they were last year. And I thought Greg made a good point about where Wisconsin could have landed as, as we discussed on a previous show, you know, the tournament committee wants to do as much as it can to avoid teams from the same conference playing each other that first weekend. And you look at how good the big 10 is and you had two number one seeds with Illinois and Michigan. So it didn't make sense. Wisconsin was going to wind up in, in that bracket. And you had two number two seeds with Ohio state and Iowa. So ultimately whether they're nine or an eight, it doesn't necessarily matter. They're in the dance, but man, it's a tough draw. It is because even if they were able to somehow get by North Carolina and then get by Baylor, Purdue sitting there waiting. You know what I mean? A, a team that they already lost to, Purdue sitting there waiting, and then the, the two seed there is quite good as well. I mean, it, it is it's a really tough run if if they were to even even if they were playing well, like even if they had not lost six of the last eight games, this would not be an easy run through. No, it's not. And I mean, there's there's hope. I don't want to make it seem like they're playing the North Carolina that we're used to seeing. Um, they are not very good at shooting threes, North Carolina. They're not very good at, at free throws. And they turn the ball over a lot. And that plays right into Wisconsin's hands because Wisconsin wants to play a low possession game, one of the best in the country at not turning the ball over. But the concern that's been a concern all season is what happens if Wisconsin goes six minutes without a field goal and North Carolina gets on a run, are the Badgers going to be able to claw their way back into it? I mean, we'll have to see how it plays out Friday, but um, at the very least, it's just exciting to have this tournament back and everyone's got a chance. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right about that. It's who cares who they're playing. At least we get to watch March Madness basketball. And it's going to be a weird one, obviously playing at Mackey arena, where they're four and forty-two all time, I believe uh, Wisconsin is, including a loss earlier this this year. When I said two seeds, pretty good. I meant Ohio State. Ohio State's the two seed. So say it went chalk for Wisconsin, and they have to play Baylor, Purdue, Ohio State just to get to the to the Final Four. Now, if I was Baylor, who is allegedly allegedly the number two overall seed. And I had that bracket where I'd have to run through potentially three Big Ten teams to get to the Final Four. I'd be a little upset too. <laughs> I, I'm not even sweating the the path that any team has to take because if you want to make it to the Final Four, you got to win four games and you got to beat some very quality opponents. Yeah, it's a difficult bracket. There's no doubt about it. We saw Ohio State um, make a run in the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, beat Michigan. Uh, had that great overtime game against Illinois. But you're not getting to the Final Four unless you're beating some good teams. So you got to go prove yourself whether you're a one seed or a nine seed. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Wisconsin will uh, obviously have to do that on Friday. You know, you mentioned the biggest concern, you know, them going on another drought of six minutes. And we talked about this with uh, 
with Bart and, and Jim is the idea that the rebounding. Ugh, I no no one rebounds at a higher percentage in the country than uh, offensive rebounds m- m- better than uh, North Carolina. And what we saw in the second half against Iowa, what we've seen in large portions of this season, Wisconsin's inability to clean up the uh, defensive glass has cost them wins. And uh, it, I think it's fair to say that they lost they lost the uh, Iowa game, not just because they couldn't shoot for 920 of the game, but because they couldn't keep Iowa off the offensive boards. And, you know, you go back to the Michigan, the first, the second Michigan game was the same way with not being able to keep Hunter Dickinson off the offensive boards. It's just, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to do it. And North Carolina, who misses a lot of shots, so maybe they have a lot more opportunities to uh, to get offensive rebounds, but they're number one in the country. Right. That will be one of, if not the prevailing storyline going into that game on Friday night. Wisconsin has actually been out-rebounded on the season, which is very rare, almost by two a game. And even in the Big Ten tournament, you look at the Penn State game, Penn State out-rebounded Wisconsin significantly. It was 34-25. And, and as you mentioned, in the Iowa game, the Hawkeyes out-rebounded Wisconsin by two in that one. North Carolina, as you said, number one in the country in offensive rebound percentage. And they're also number one in offensive rebounds per game, which probably makes sense, about 15.9. There's only three teams in the country that have at least 14. So they're very long. They've got some some talented players who are like six, eight plus. And as we saw, Wisconsin just seems to struggle with that. You mentioned the second mission game against Hunter Dickinson. That's exactly what came to mind. Dickinson, who granted is going to be an NBA player and is outstanding even as a freshman, just took over that game, just ripping balls away from Wisconsin's big men. So that's why it's going to be imperative for, for Wisconsin's guards to crash and, and just make boxing out a priority even more so than any other game. But it's uh, it's a tough ask to to do this against North Carolina team that has thrived in that particular area. They have, and uh, Wisconsin has certainly had its issues. But for 31 minutes, they were better than Iowa. Yes, right. And so that, despite Wisconsin's struggles, despite everything that's happened this year, it leaves just open a little little glimmer of hope, right? That something can click here in the final. Uh, I mean, this is it. <laughs> I, I was about to say the final few games here. This is it. You got one more game to figure this out, to, to get on track. I'm not overly confident that's going to happen, that they can put 40 minutes together when they haven't been able to do it pretty much the entire year. But we saw a glimmer of hope, I think, in the Big Ten tournament, both you know, getting the big lead on Penn State and then also getting the lead on, on Iowa and just obviously not being able to finish either game out, either game the way that they probably wanted to. But it's there, just that glimmer. Yeah, I know. Not? Or is it not? I, or is it not? Do you not, do you not have that little glimmer? No, it's it's always going to be there, especially for a power conference team that consistently plays some of the top programs in the country. Um, look, the story of this season is that Wisconsin is an above average team. Obviously, they're in the NCAA tournament that beats the teams for the most part. It's supposed to beat and doesn't beat any of the teams that it's not supposed to beat. But they've been close, so it's not like we're talking about Wisconsin is twenty points away from the the Iowa's of the world, right? They've, they've played better basketball here down the stretch. So that is where there's a glimmer of hope. Um, on the other hand, there's the overall body of work to me suggests that Wisconsin just can't quite get there. Can't quite get over the hump. And you talk about the big 10 tournament games and Wisconsin had an 18 point lead on Penn state got mm-hmm. whittled down to one. I think mm-hmm. even though Wisconsin won, that's kind of hard to ignore. And for me, yeah, they were they were better than Iowa for the first 31 minutes. Unfortunately, it's a 40-minute game, and they went 0 for 8 from the field during a stretch, the critical stretch, and they, they, they did hit some free throws um, to keep them in that thing. But Trice makes a 3 with 9.21 left, gives Wisconsin a 2-point lead. It's 48-46, and then it's just miss after miss after turnover. Potter gets blocked. There's a shot clock violation. Trevor Anderson misses a free throw lane jumper. Then he misses a layup that's blocked. Lean Ford has a couple turnovers. Trice misses a three. And Potter misses. It's it's that kind of thing that just seems to build and build repeatedly that makes me wonder whether Wisconsin can legitimately get out of the first weekend. I thought the turnovers were probably the most confusing thing down the stretch for them, right? The one that sticks out is coming out of a timeout and the, the clock's running down and Trice tries a pass across the court, right? Yep. Like the 
and it gets picked off predictably because it was a horrible pass. And Greg Gard's standing on the sideline. You could see his arms go up like this. Like, what? What do you? What? What? Why? You know, like, why? Why would you do that? And that is not something you expect from a senior guard. And yet he did. There were just so many confusing and compounding plays. And I thought, you know, the way Demetri started that second half where he was hunting his shot, I thought that that was going to continue the rest of the game. And for whatever reason, it didn't. He didn't keep hunting. Yeah, and you're exactly right. In the situation, Wisconsin was trailing 58-54, and there was a little over a minute left, and he threw that cross-court pass, which just didn't make all that much sense, and it was picked off. And just and Dimitri took the blame afterward, yeah. which is what a senior leader does. And, and Greg was asked about that on Sunday night when he was discussing the NCAA tournament pairing. And he, he obviously heard that, but said there's a lot of other different factors that go into a game, which is what any coach will say. It was surprising. There's no question about it. And those are the types of mistakes that you obviously can't make in the tournament. But I just, my, my mindset on this team has shifted significantly over the last handful of weeks, the more I've watched them. Um, but it doesn't mean that they can't do this and do something special. I, I don't think a few years ago, a lot of people gave them a chance in that matchup against one seed Villanova. Um, so it's just a recent example that, that shows what a team can do. It's just, the more you watch them, the less you think that it's actually going to happen, you know? Right. And yet they have until the final buzzer at Mackey arena on Friday to figure it out. Right. Like they have, that's got to figure it out before then. Uh, I it's, am I optimistic that it's, that it's going to happen? No, but I, I do think that there have been glimmers that give you hope. At least these last starting with the Purdue game and coming down the stretch, there have been glimmers and, We'll see if it if it matters come Friday when they face a North Carolina team that has also, I think it's fair to say, underachieved to what their preseason uh, rankings were. And, you know, it's a, it's a battle of two disappointing teams at this point. Right now, they've certainly underachieved in everyone's mind. Wisconsin has clearly, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, okay. they're 17 and 12. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're in the NCAA tournament. They don't have the seed they want. But yeah, if you if you thought they were a top 10 team coming into the season, which is what they were. And I know at the outset I was talking about, well, this team has a chance to potentially play near the level of that. The best team we ever saw, the 2014-15 team, and it became pretty evident pretty early that that wasn't going to be the case. So certainly they've underachieved. Right. Okay. so we take that. What has to happen for this to be viewed as a I don't say worthwhile season, but a, a season in which not special. I don't even know what the word would be is, but. What, what has to happen in the tournament for you to feel good about this season? Because right now, uh, no one feels good about it. Uh, the player, I mean, Michael Potter said it as much a couple of weeks ago. This, this has not played out the way that we wanted it to. He's not, he's, I'm not going to lie is what he said, and it hasn't. But what has to happen? What, what exactly would constitute a successful season in the tournament? What, where, where do they have to get to? How far do they have to get to? Well, this is why it's always tough this time of year, because <laughs> how you judge the success of a season after 26, 28 games in a normal season, 30 plus, obviously, comes down to what you do over a single weekend or something like that. For me, a successful season would be getting out of the first weekend, especially it goes it, it comes a lot back to expectations. They've they've underachieved. They are, based on the seeding, not supposed to get out of the first game. But if they do in a potential toss-up game, they're certainly not supposed to, pe- to beat a 22-2 and Baylor team. So that, I think, if, if they get out of the first weekend, make it to the Sweet 16, give the fans some excitement, an additional week to dream, that that, that is a successful season. On the other hand, <laughs> if you're a top-10 team and you get to the Sweet 16, um, even that is considered a little bit underwhelming, but I think based on the way they've played this year, if they can just finally beat a top tier team, I think some people would, would view that as a success. Uh, it's just a hard, it's a hard thing to quantify, right? Cause some, some teams, if they make the NCAA tournament, that's considered a success and the coach would get it, gets a new contract. Yes. But just the way that, I mean, the, the expectations that have, we're at the beginning of the season where they are right now make it difficult. I think probably even if, even if they make it to the 16 to be, to be considered a successful season. But I think from a fan's point of view, right. From my point of view, well, the way this season has played out the way that things have gone for them, you know, not having Lauren Bowman, not having Ben Carlson, 
guys that would have helped out in certain situations. I'm not making excuses for them whatsoever. I'm just saying I'm adding it in to go along with the uh, the restrictions that have been in place for COVID. All that stuff has made for an unfortunate season in which you know there were high expectations. But I- I'm trying to think of a team that has been hurt more by that stoppage last spring than Wisconsin. I know we're the tournament is here and we're talking about this year. But I can't think of this year without thinking of last year and, you know, where things would have been at this time last year had, had COVID not happened. I'm th- you know, obviously uh, Dayton probably is another one of those teams that, you know, would have loved to have been able to play the tournament last year because the way that they were playing and the way that Wisconsin's playing, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking about that at this point, but it just kind of – the way that this year has played out has me wishing that, again, that we would have been able to see how last year would have finished. Well, here's one thing that I do think about, and I remember asking Orlando Tucker when we had him on earlier in the season about this, whether that NCAA tournament experience or lack thereof will matter during this time, and, and he didn't think so, and I can understand that because they've played in big-time games. They've played tons of teams that are in the tournament. But think about a guy like Brad Davison during his career. The, the first year was the only year they had made the NCAA tournament in a couple decades. Then they lose the first game against Oregon. And then, as you mentioned, they're one of the hottest teams in the country – Maybe they would have gotten three, four or more games in the NCAA tournament last year. They didn't get any. So he's coming into this having played just one NCAA tournament game. And a lot of these guys uh, are in fairly similar situations, just not having a ton of, of NCAA tournament experience. And I don't know, maybe that's an overrated thing, but I also think it's valuable. It's just another tool uh, that you have in your kit. I, I mean, Meech is the only one that's played in more than one game. It's crazy. In, in the it's NCAA tournament, right? Because he's, he played in he played you know that the Nigel and, and Bronson and he he played that year and Aleem Ford redshirted that year so um, I mean those are the oldest guys on the team and and yeah Brad I mean it's possible Brad Davison despite all the success that they've had during during his time will go and uh, not have won a single NCAA tournament in his career now we'll see if he comes back I think that there's a a good chance that he does. Uh, at least in my opinion, but you know, for that to be uh, to be a guy who's been around that long and to not to win a single NCAA tournament game would be, uh, I guess, pretty shocking when, when you go back and look at his career. Um, and, and it'd be the same way for for Nate Reavers and and uh, the other guys that that have only played. This would be just their second tournament game. Looking at North Carolina a little bit closer, what kind of game it has to be for Wisconsin to win it? Well, I think it's. In these types of games, in my opinion, it winds up generally being played at Wisconsin's pace, how Wisconsin wants to play it, but that doesn't necessarily mean Wisconsin's going to win. You know, North Carolina has four players over six foot ten in its rotation, and I think that's going to be a, a significant challenge. But if you get North Carolina into the type of half court slog that Wisconsin's going to want, and the Badgers play the sound defense that they're known for. Then you force North Carolina to take some tough shots. Maybe the shot clock gets down a little more. Maybe you force them to take some threes where they're only shooting 31.7%. And obviously, I mentioned before, they're not very good at, at keeping the ball. Um, I mean, they turn the ball over on about a fifth of their possessions. So that's what I think is going to happen. I think it'll be a, a slower-paced game, but I'm not sure that Wisconsin's going to win. I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it's it's been a while since we saw the Badgers <laughs> win a tournament game. How, how, how does Wisconsin win the game? Well, it's the things they haven't done well, which is make some shots more consistently. You talk about Iowa and how they played like the first half. I thought they were very good. Um, and the Penn state game, they made a ton of threes. Uh, I'm trying to go yeah, back 12, and look at 12 for 23. Yeah, 12 and, and um, I mean, they were 12 for 23. A lean forward went five for six. He was on fire. So I, I think you've got to be able to ride a couple guys to get the hot hand because they do take a lot of three-point shots. And that is that is one of the the secrets to success. Or it's not even a secret, but the staples to success, I guess, is a better way to put it, for them to make a run. So I don't think they're going to turn the ball over a ton, even though they have had some issues occasionally with that. It's the rebounding, and can they make some threes? So like all season. Um, yeah, that, it's exactly right. It's the it's exactly what I'm saying. It's the things they haven't been good at most of the season. Can they actually do it well for 40 minutes? You know, the thing about it is, is they have done those things well for stretches. 
but they just don't do it consistently. And, and, and it falls apart at the worst possible times, right? Yep. Like the, the, and you know, Greg Hart has talked about that plenty this year and they've all talked about it. Either you do it now or you don't, you know, you don't, right? Like this is uh, your backs up against the wall. You don't have another game to prove it later on. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, if they get somehow get by North Carolina, they'll give Baylor a game. Baylor's the best three point, one of the best, I think is the best three point shooting team in the country. They, they shoot 41.8% from, from three. So, you know, maybe they have an off night and you get them, you get them on an off night and you're all good. But I think if, I think if they somehow get by North Carolina, they beat Baylor. Okay. Uh, what do you think? Your optimism. I, I, I certainly think it'll be a, a close game against but Baylor if, if they do have that opportunity. It's not like, for the most part, we've seen Wisconsin get blown out sometimes, but against these top-tier teams. I mean, they, they, they have – it is worth acknowledging that they have played some better basketball down the stretch, but I just – close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Like, they play better basketball, but they're – they lost their last three in the regular season, and they they – barely beat Penn state and they lost to Iowa in, in the big 10 tournament. So it's just hard for me to get overly excited. I suppose about Wisconsin's prospects. Are you excited though, that there is a tournament in games you get to watch on Friday and Saturday? Oh, 100%, man. I mean, anybody listening is, is a college basketball fan and a lot of us grew up and, and this was the biggest sporting event. And it really still is to me where you would sneak a TV or a radio into class or something like that it was the event. So it's fantastic. And especially the fact that it, it didn't happen last year. And, and I think that's worth noting too, because that was brought up repeatedly during the interviews we had with, uh, with Brad Demetric and Greg on, on Sunday night is these guys understand what it means to be here. And I, I think that there's a, a little added oomph to that, knowing they didn't get that opportunity a year ago. And the circumstances too are just, crazy this year which I, I think is probably worth getting into too that the team had to the NC once the NCAA tournament started the team had to undergo a, a different set of of testing and quarantining they've been in Indianapolis at the same hotel since last Wednesday so they will be there until at least Friday when they play North Carolina and potentially two extra days if they get Baylor they had to test they had to quarantine on Sunday night they had their meals delivered to them in their rooms so they couldn't leave then they would get tested again on Monday and if everything came back fine by Monday afternoon or Monday evening they could go practice. So I say all that to just to, to bring up the strangeness of, of what's going on still. And that there's a greater appreciation from the players about what it means to be here because they didn't have the opportunity last year. And you have to take a lot of steps to ensure that everyone's healthy enough to play. Not to mention they're playing an hour and 15 minutes away from Indianapolis as well. Uh, they're playing in West Lafayette. I assume they're not staying in West Lafayette. They're going to be just busing back and forth. Well, I know we didn't get particulars on that, but I, I, I feel like I would be surprised if <laughs> they made some type of change, just given the, the circumstances. They, they moved all the players and everyone up to the same floor on the hotel, uh, in the hotel that they're staying at, which was not the case before the NCAA tournament started. So I feel like you do all that and you're just kind of locked into to where you are. Yeah, you're probably right. Any advantage to Wisconsin having played at Mackey Arena, despite the fact that they've been horrible at Mackey Arena? I don't think so. <laughs> I think once the game starts, it doesn't really matter. And yeah, they're terrible there, but they're not playing Purdue. It's, it's a completely different set of circumstances. Oh, the only advantage is just that there's a level of familiarity with where to go when, when you're in the arena and things like that. But I just think once the ball's tipped, it doesn't matter. How big of an impact do you think having at least some fans in there and family has on these guys? Well, if nothing else, it's good for the psyche, right? And the spirit, because it's been such a, a hard year where all you're seeing in the stands for the most part are cardboard cutouts. And finally, there were some fans in the stands for the Big Ten tournament. And I think players feed off the energy. And Brad talked about it, too. Even the little things where he can find his mom and dad in the crowd or if there's a there's a timeout and he can look up and see them, that stuff matters. So I think certainly it's a, a positive development and a step in the right direction. But again... I don't think that that's necessarily going to matter um, a ton unless you have exclusively Badgers fans in the arena, which I, I don't, I mean, it, certainly it's closer to Madison, but I just don't know how big of a deal it's going to be because it's not like it's full capacity. Yeah, no, it won't be full capacity. And, uh, you know, the ticket allotment was so small that uh, given to Wisconsin was so small, they did not make any tickets available to donors. 
to season ticket holders or the general public. So I feel like it's going to essentially just be family members there in terms of getting the, the tickets that went to UW. Now, the NCAA obviously is selling tickets as well. You would think that there's going to be a healthy um, healthy portion of Big Ten fans in these arenas, though, right? Because uh, of it being in that footprint, Michigan. I mean, who else is playing it at Mackey Arena? I think, like, there's I think four- it's five Big Ten yeah. teams. Yeah, so I feel like there's going to be a healthy portion of Big Ten fans. And you would think, you would think, I'm not saying guarantee, but you would think in many situations they'd be rooting for other Big Ten teams. Not I all the time. Possible. Not all the time, but like some of those, so it, it may not be a huge contingent of Wisconsin fans, but potentially, uh, you know, a nice size contingent of Big Ten fans it could, could maybe, maybe give a little bit of a home court advantage to those teams. I think it's possible. Um, the first one is the the play-in game in the first four. So Michigan State is playing UCLA at, at Mackey, a crazy 11-seed matchup. Ohio State's playing at Mackey. We mentioned, obviously, Wisconsin and North Carolina are playing there. Michigan's playing there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they probably want to support each other. But I, I just, again, I don't know necessarily how big of a deal it's going to be when the game starts. Yeah, no, and, and the fact that they're probably not going to be in the same session. So, um, right. Like, so that, yeah. Yeah. So either way, we'll see. Uh, let's get to our interviews. So uh, we'll, we'll start out with, uh, Bart Torvik. You know, had a great conversation with him, taking a look at the tournament and Wisconsin from an analytical point of view. And we do bring in Bart Torvik from barttorvik.com. He is his uh, site, uh, one of the well-regarded analytics site in college basketball, wanted to get his take on what exactly uh, this tournament looks like from an analytics angle. But to start with, Bart, how does someone get in to college basketball analytics and making uh, making a website about it? And obviously, it's something you're passionate about. But how do you get in? How do you get into something like that? Hmm. Well, I guess <laughs> you just have to be a little bit nutty um, <laughs> and. Uh, um, I guess I've described it as kind of a mania, you know, like I'm just a huge fan. And I guess, uh, I've sort of always been a more of a numbers oriented fan and I like the stats, you know, so I just, I just kind of got into it, got really interested into it, in it and learned a lot about it. Um, and so, you know, there's not a huge barrier and en- barrier to entry. Um, the internet's free for everyone. So I just kind of got started with an Excel spreadsheet posting it online and then it kind of went from there so. and it's kind of and it's really taken off obviously um, yep do you add stuff to it on a yearly basis or how does uh, and, and the numbers themselves how does how does where do those numbers come from so the basic numbers come from mostly just from the box scores there's some stuff from play that i parse out like dunks and things of that nature um but the the core of the website is offensive and defensive efficiency, which is just, you know, points scored per possession. So the only kind of tricky thing there is figuring out how many possessions there are, which there's uh, sort of a well-accepted um, formula for, for taking, for getting that from the box score stats. It's not exact. It's not a stat that's tracked, although it probably should be. Um, but everything kind of goes from there. And then obviously the sort of advanced aspect of it is trying to adjust it for, uh, opponents and for the locations of the games. Art, I saw you tweet about the final ranking that Wisconsin had in the in the NCAA tournament matrix that the committee puts together. Uh, we heard from Greg Gard and Demetri Trice and Brad Davison about the seating and their thoughts on it. But what were your impressions of where Wisconsin landed based on the strength of schedule and the the rankings that they had in in every other? Um, outlet that had them higher yeah i guess i was disappointed but not necessarily surprised you know i mean a little bit of it is as a badger fan we're kind of used to this for whatever reason you know we always seem to be a seed or two lower than the bracket matrix um predicts not always but it's happened several times um and you know you understand where it's coming from they just they didn't win any of the top games, um, the games against top opponents, which is what the committee really focuses on. So that's where it comes from. Um, obviously, there are, I think there are good ways to quantify how impressive a team's resume is by by giving a value to each of its wins and losses. And a couple, of, and one of those is on the team sheets. The ESPN strength the record, and they were top thirty in that. So 
it was it was a kind of amusing that of all the possible ranks, basically the committee was six or seven lower than any respectable ranking. Um, but like I said, you understand where it's coming from. Their record, their wins and losses, just raw winning percentage is kind of bad. I think this has been a pretty frustrating season for Badgers fans, just based on the preseason expectations and the consistently inconsistent nature of the team. But from your analytics and, and what you've studied with the numbers, what have you noticed are the team's greatest weaknesses and, and things that maybe are surprising based on what, what they had coming back? Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the most surprising thing for someone looking at an analytics site um, would be to still see them up in the top 15. You know, if you're just watching the games and and seeing the wins and losses, I think they're 10th in Ken Palm, they're 12th on my site, and, you know, they're between 10 and 20 in most of the analytics sites. And so that's still, you know, coming into the season, I think that's what most people actually thought they'd be. Um, it just hasn't translated into wins. Um and as far as why, um, you know, the big, the big thing that jumps out is there are a couple guys who aren't having the seasons you thought they might have as a as a senior. You know, they've got six seniors, and Nate Reavers has just not played up to his level that he played at last year. Um, that's kind of the big one. I think he was, I mean, he was on the one of the all conference teams last year, and he just hasn't quite been there this year. Um, he's shown some flashes, but, um, and that's, you know, that's obviously the hope for the tournament. Maybe, maybe the Reavers of old shows up. Um, and then beyond that, it's just, they're, they're a team that relies on making shots. Obviously most teams are, but they take a lot of threes and when they're hitting them, they're really good. Um, and when they're not, they're just not that good. You know, they, they still have the, one of the reasons they stay up in the analytics is they still have a solid, defense right they um so that's a kind of good backbone for a good team but they don't have a ton of they don't have a one guy who can beat you um so they really just need to hit shots and in the second half of the season they were they were subpar on that you mentioned obviously the defense uh their offensive efficiency numbers obviously it's not great by any stretch but still at what are they thir- they're 32nd on uh, on your site in adjusted offense, I mean it's not horrible, but is that still drawing from from uh, stats from earlier in the year? Is that why they're still up as high as they are, or why? I mean, again, thirty two, not great, but still higher than uh, you would expect for an offense that has been. Uh, I think it's fair to say difficult to watch at times uh, yeah. this year. Yeah, I mean it is partly from early in the season. They had you know they had great games against uh, Loyola and Louisville um, and Michigan State their offense was really good. Um, so those, those three big performances against good teams are still in there. And um, the other thing is like the parts of their offense that they're great at is not turning over the ball, which is not, you know, that's not a sexy thing. That's not something you notice, but they just, you know, they just kind of maximize the number of shots that they take um, in that respect. And so they still miss a lot of shots, but they get more opportunities so they can, they can score more points at a lower percentage. And that's, that's long been the formula at Wisconsin, right? Um, and it's a way to kind of have a better offense than it looks. What's the one number, if, if you were to look at Wisconsin, that you think stands out the most or will, will be the most meaningful in a matchup against North Carolina? Well, I think rebounding in a game against North Carolina is huge because North Carolina is a team that just kind of plays volleyball on the glass. You know, they send guys to the offensive glass, which a lot of teams don't anymore. They've got, I think they've got four big guys who play um, and, and they're as typical, they're just like bouncy big dudes. Um, and Wisconsin has struggled a bit on the defensive glass, at least per their own standards this year. Um, and I think we've all kind of, had those frustrations of, of and then Iowa was kind of killing them on the glass in the last game. Um, so that's the big one for me is that is North Carolina is an elite offensive rebounding team and Wisconsin, although their numbers are decent on the defensive glass is maybe not as good as, as they've usually been. Yeah. You've got the offensive rebounding percentage for North Carolina's 41.2%. That's number one in the country. So, and then yeah. the thing that stands out to me is that Wisconsin has been out rebounded all season out rebounded in both big 10 tournament games. So I know that's going to be a big storyline going in. Yep, definitely. 
And obviously Wisconsin doesn't really get any offensive rebounds um, unless they just kind of fall into their laps or sometimes Johnny Davis tries to get one and sometimes he commits a foul late in the game, but <laughs> um, <laughs> um, or two. so yeah, that's definitely a big story. A foul or two late in the game. Yep. No, but he, obviously he's been, he's been fantastic for much of the yeah. year. I noticed on, on, uh, on Kempom that uh, he's got a, a luck ranking. Do you have anything like that? And if so, Wisconsin, it feels like, and I was looking at it in terms of uh, tournament teams, like there's only four teams that have a lower luck ranking. How much has luck played a role in what's happened this year, do you think? I do have a similar thing to the grading. It's I don't list it all um, like in one table, but on the team pages, there's under the fun stuff um, <laughs> sort of call out there. Funalytics, right? Yep, there's a, there's a stack called fun, F-U-N, which is short for factors unexplained by numbers. Um, and the Badgers are 274th in that. So similar to Ken Palm. It's, and, and on my side, it's pretty simple stats, basically like, what would you expect this team's winning percentage to be? And what is actually their winning percentage? So there's this delta there. And that's the factor that, that my model doesn't explain. Um, so you can call it luck. You can call it something else, you know, um, je ne sais quoi. Um, <laughs> but um, that's what the pa- the Badgers haven't seemed to have had it lately. So how much has luck played a role? Um I would say it's 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 been a it's been a factor. Like if you run the season back, do we really think they go 0-9 or whatever against the top six teams, the Big Ten? I don't think so. I mean, I think that's an unusual sort of outlier event. Um, they probably usually win two of those games if you simulate. And if you simulated the season over using a computer, you would usually get, I would guess, one or two wins almost every time. So that's unlucky. Um, and you know, what exactly has caused that, you know, I, I don't know when you, when you watch the games, people are resistant to this line of thinking because they kind of think of things that, well, it happened and it happened for a reason. Um, and that's true, but happening nine times in a row is kind of unusual. Wisconsin's such a fascinating case this year in general, just you look at their record and it's 17 and 12. And I don't know if people necessarily know what to make of them. Cause you've got them in your, your T rank, you've got them 12 and no other team with 12 plus losses is in the top 34. Um, is that primarily based on, you know, the strength of schedule? I mean, I think they played 11 top 25 teams, which is a school record. Yes. That's basically the strength of schedule. And it's obviously a weird year because there was far fewer um, non-conference games and the Big Ten overall did really well in the non-conference games that did play. So um, if you look at strength of schedule, the Big Ten just dominates it. Like every team in the Big Ten is at the top of, of any respectable strength of schedule um, rating. And, you know, I think it's fair to question how real that is, you know, because we just don't have as much data as usual. So um it could be overall that the big Ten was kind of lucky in the non-conference. And so those things are kind of inflated, but a model like mine, you know, it does what it can with what it's got. And those are the games it has. And if you're, if you're continually losing relatively close games to top 10 teams, half of them on the road, it's not, it's not going to dock you much for that. Um, and then there's the weird thing about the Badgers resume is that, you know, even in the NCAA system with the quad one wins and stuff, they have a bunch of those. They're just not like name programs, like winning at Rutgers and, and beating Maryland and beating Penn state on a neutral court and crushing Loyola. Those according to a computer system are really good wins, but you know, uh, an average college basketball fan doesn't get, still doesn't get that worked up about a win at Rutgers. Bart, you mentioned earlier that, you're a Badgers fan for people listening who may not know what's your history with Wisconsin. It seems fairly unique that, uh, you know, you you, you run this analytic site and of all the programs you're most passionate about, it's Wisconsin. Yeah. So I grew up in Madison um, and I went to Madison for college. Uh, so I lived there for the first 23 years of my life or so. Grew up a Badger fan um, in the lean times. Um, so I, and I was a hockey player as a kid. So I was a big hockey fan. Badger hockey fans. So there was at least one program that was winning at the time winning national championships, but so I've lived through the lean years and uh, I was kind of, I was in college when Dick Bennett came and um, you know, the resurgence sort of started 
Um, and I, re- I really loved those teams. Um, and one reason I think that it kind of primes you to be into analytics is that starting with Dick Bennett and same thing with Bo Ryan, you know, the, the Badgers played at a slow pace, so they would often be um, characterized as uh, poor offensive teams when that wasn't necessarily the case. It was the case with Dick Bennett teams a lot of times, but, um, and, uh, and their defense was kind of overrated because they, they play fewer possessions. And so the games are just lower scoring and, you know, you would start to learn this. And I remember Bo Ryan talking about points per possession before I had ever really heard about it. Um, so I think that, I think Badger fans in general are, are, are keen on these kind of, analytics that slice the game up a little more carefully um and that's definitely part of my story before i let you go though uh who do you got winning the tournament just to put you on the spot because uh, <laughs> i mean it, there's a lot of obviously really really good teams and a lot of them are from the big 10 is this the year that the big 10 is going to finally snap that what is it now 20 it'll be i mean it's been 21 years since they won a national championship is this the year that it ends Probably not, um, but it could, you know, um, Gonzaga is really good. And if you, if you're just picking one team, it's gotta be Gonzaga at this point. Um, I think my numbers have them about a uh, 33% chance to win the title. Um, but I have all year really liked Illinois, just watching them. They've just got such a variety of ways to score so many good players, young players, experienced players. You get a player like IO to come back for his junior year is pretty unusual. Um, and even Coburn, you know, is a guy who 10 years ago would certainly be in the NBA. Right. Um, so it's, it's a very talented, very scary team. And then, you know, the point guard that they have is kind of super fun to watch. Um, and their backup center, Georgie, um, is a guy who would start on pretty much any team. Um, so they're they would be they're not exactly a sleeper, you know. I think a lot of people are picking Illinois, but if I was forced to pick somebody besides Gonzaga, that's probably who I'd pick. I'm gonna hey, go with Colgate. Oh, sorry. I'm go gonna ahead. go way out on a limb. I really, <laughs> I really like the fact that they only played 15 games, and other teams have played close to 30. Not only did they only play 15 games, I think they only played five different teams. Um, oh, they played really? Boston University, I think, five times. I love it. Um, I love that they punched their <laughs> ticket. Yep, they're they're worth rooting for, and they are they are a very analytics focused team. Their coaching staff is speaking. I think one of their assistant coaches has a podcast where he talks about analytics mostly. So it's definitely a team to root for if you're into the analytics. So under the radar, what's what's a team that you know analytically people aren't talking about that you think could make a deep run? Um, well, I mean, one that jumps out is San Diego State. You know, this is another example of a team that playing in a in the mountain west um in a weird year where there's not a lot of cross-pollination um we're not sure how good they are but they could be really good you know they they went the mountain west was strong this year it seemed um and we know san diego state was really good last year they probably would have been the number five overall seed or so um and they were kind of surprisingly good this year so it seems like they've got something going and they're another um interesting team maybe for big 10 teams to follow fans to follow because their coach is uh, definitely going to be a finalist for the gopher job if that opens up because i believe dutcher i think he's a minnesota grad um their coach so that's another that's a team i'm following with interest that's kind of off the radar a little bit uh and i guess i can't let you go before i ask you about wisconsin i mean is this uh picking with your heart and your head which <laughs> which way you going on friday against north carolina well, on Friday, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, you know, it should be a good game. Um, I don't, it, it'll be, it, it kind of sucks because you would hope that they would have gotten some sort of reprieve, but it's basically just another, another night in the grinder of a super talented um, major conference team where, you know, it's a 50, 50 game. Um, but I kind of, on the other hand, I kind of like it because at least, at least they're not, at least it's a name program. And if they lose, nobody can make fun of them. You know? <laughs> um, and then it would be a lot of fun to get a shot at Baylor. I, I, for quite a while, I've been kind of hoping for the scenario where they get a shot at one of these big name teams in the second round, kind of like when they had Villanova a few years ago, um, just kind of a nothing to lose game. Um, and they can definitely win. They're good enough to beat Baylor. Yeah. All right. Hey, Bart, certainly appreciate your time. My pleasure. Good talking to you guys. All right, there he is, Bart Tordek.
And we do bring in the Wisconsin State Turtles, Jim Polzine here on the swing. Jim, thanks for jumping on. I know you were in Indianapolis this past weekend for the Big Ten Tournament. Going to be down in Indianapolis slash West Lafayette for the NCAA Tournament. What's it been like? It feels, it, just watching on TV, it feels a little weird. Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird. They had us on the baseline at Lucas Oil, and you're pretty far away from the action. I mean, you can hear one one side, one bench, you can hear stuff from there, but not, not great. And it's just kind of a weird setup that, you know, there's not, obviously the fan numbers are way down. Um, it's such a big building that it just didn't seem like there was a great atmosphere, except when, you know, Illinois fans, yeah, there were a lot of Illinois fans and they, you know, it was loud then Indiana fans were mostly just screaming at Archie Miller who just got fired. So um, <laughs> that, that was, you know, that was something It's different than being at the Cole center all year and having nobody around, but it's still, it's still not the same. And it's just, it's just kind of, it's just kind of a sad, uh, sad way to cover events these days. Well, Jim, I think uh, we had you on at the start of the season and the expectations were super high and, Zach and I have been discussing this all season, but we want to get your perspective since you've been up close and personal with it all. What the hell happened this season? <laughs> what's your what's your perspective on where things have gone? It's it's a great question. I mean, I think if you really sum it up just in simple terms, uh, everybody around them or most teams around them in the Big Ten have gotten better, and in some cases, way better. And Wisconsin is basically stayed the same. It's it's largely performing from an efficiency standpoint about how it did last year. Um, just not shooting the ball as well from three point range, like it did during its hot streak last year, but it's, I don't think this team has gotten worse. It's just that everybody around them has gotten so much better. And, 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 you know, this team hasn't gotten better. Right. I mean, other than Dimitri Trice making a, a, you know, I think a jump this year. Um, I don't know who else has on this team. And in some cases performances have gone the, backward the other way. So it's tough to survive in the big 10 where, you know, you've got, two number one seeds, uh, two number two seeds and a number four seed um, if you're not constantly improving. And, and I do think too, if I wonder what would have happened if they would have won one of these games against um, top tier teams, you know, if, if you beat a Michigan, does it make it easier to win your next one? I just think it's been kind of a mental hurdle they've, hurdle they've had to get past um, and it just keeps piling up and the stats, you know, they have to answer every game about how being O and whatever against teams above them, the big 10 standings. And I, I don't know. I asked Greg Gard the other night if, if his team still believes they can win these games and just kind of, you know, I wondered whether there was some self-doubt creeping in and, and he didn't seem to think that was the case. But I do wonder that whether this team gets in these close games late and, and starts to doubt itself a little bit. Looking back at uh, the season and obviously we, the tipping point or the, uh, the point where it started going awry certainly was the Michigan game, right? Do you think that game put doubt in their minds? I mean, I obviously – the question you just you asked Greg certainly, but do you think like it kind of shell shocked him a bit, saying, "Gosh, we we think we're in the running for a Big Ten title, and and these guys went up forty on us at one point." I think that game did kind of was a humbling game in terms of we're probably not as good as we thought we were. Now I will say they three nights later they won at Rutgers, which at the time wasn't a pretty win and didn't seem all that important, but you know, it's, it's, it's arguably one of their better wins on the season, which just kind of speaks to how sad they're, or, you know, how mediocre their resume looks. But um, I do, I think, I think this season, this team came in expecting big things, like a final four run maybe, and, and another big 10 championship. And I do think that Michigan game was kind of a, whoa, you know, we're not who we thought we were. And, you know, tell the truth, there were red flags before that. I mean, that Marquette game yeah. in retrospect, you know, that team was not very good in the long run. And, and, and Wisconsin probably shouldn't have lost that game, but did. Um, losing to Maryland at home, I think, was kind of one of those games where you just saw various flaws kind of pop up throughout the season um, at different times. And, and certainly uh, those two games were where things kind of stood out that said, well, maybe this team isn't who we thought it was. You mentioned guys not taking a step forward that we expected other than Trice, perhaps the one most glaring player would have to be Nate Reavers. You wrote a story about this recently and I think to talk to his dad and Nate, what's your perspective on what has happened with Nate? Because before the season, he was considered one of the best players in the conference was an all conference player last year. Where, where have things kind of gone off the rails? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, so much of his, I think so, so much of what he could be doing better comes at the three-point line. If you knock down some shots, I think that makes you 
um, more confident and better, but he's, he's gone backward on the defensive end too. I think, I mean, he's getting, he's getting handled by some really good centers in the league. And that's, that's maybe been the most surprising thing. I mean, shots aren't always going to fall, but you know, you need to perform at all the other things, the controllables as this program likes to call them. Um, I don't have an answer why, I mean, it's, you know, I wrote that story and I really came out of it uh, kind of hope for a more clear picture of why things have gone that way, but I don't think I did. And, um, you know, so I can only speculate. I mean, I do think, I think, you know, I know from talking to people that two years ago when people came and watched Ethan Hat play, when NBA scouts came and watched Ethan Hat play, um, they came away impressed by Nate and his, you know, his potential. And I think that, that he was on people's radar at that point. And I think last season was a step forward. He played really well down the stretch, I think. Um, and then, you know, I, I, Pretty sure he came in the season thinking he could be a guy that takes one more big step, a John Lurish type step, and and maybe finds himself in the NBA or, or you know, as crazy that sounds right now. Um, and then I think when things start off poorly for him, I'm sure you put a lot of pressure on yourself. And, and you know, that's what I see is just a guy that – a really smart guy who's probably overthinking things a little bit too much and just hasn't been able to get out of a funk. I thought he was turning a corner um, – during that stretch when he was coming off the bench in late January, early February, but um, it's just kind of gone the other way since then. It feels like we're doing their obituary here. Uh, they still have a, a game to play, right, on, on Friday night against North Carolina. They're nine seed, lower than some of the uh, projections had them, but, you know, it is what it is when you have so many teams uh, in the one and two line. When you look at this game, Jim, what has to happen for Wisconsin to find a way to win? Well, I mean, the thing that jumps out is that North Carolina leads the nation in offensive rebounding percentage um, and just has, I mean, they they start two 6'10 guys. I think they bring a 7-footer and a 6'11 guy off the bench. Um, and that's got to be concerning for Wisconsin, which has had trouble um, rebounding against, you know, long athletic teams at times and, you know, has had trouble at times keeping Nate Reavers and Micah Potter out of foul trouble. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, they should play together, you know, put, put those two on the court together. And that sounds great in theory. Uh, however, you know, at some point, one of them's got to come off the court because you can't play those guys 40 minutes and North Carolina can just bring in fresh bodies. Um, you also have to keep those guys out of foul trouble. And, and, you know, by the way, I don't know that it's necessarily a solution because at, you know, Reavers has not been a good rebounder throughout his career and has been particularly um, subpar this season. And Potter at times has has not been a great rebounder, even though he's the team's best rebounder. So that that matchup worries me. I mean, I think they can force North Carolina some in some bad shots, um, but they're going to have to collect the misses and not give North Carolina second chances and and you know baskets close close to the rim. So um, you know, all along I've kind of said that it's all about matchups once you get to the NCAA tournament, and I don't know that this is a great matchup just in terms of athletic ability and length and and height. One of the things that seems to be most frustrating watching them this year is just the long scoring droughts that they go through. I know even in the Iowa game, they there was basically Trice hit a three and then had they had a two point lead and they didn't hit they missed eight straight field goals and they had some free throws in there to stay in the game. But what what do you pinpoint as the reason why that's happened so frequently? Is it that there aren't enough guys who can create their own shots other than Trice? Is it a confidence thing? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, I would chalk it up mostly to a, a lack of options um, in terms of if your shots from the perimeter aren't falling, what's your what's the plan B? And Trice at times can get in the paint and create. Um, I think he's been better at finishing around the rim, but against really tall, long opponents, um, they really you know they're they're able to limit him. And North Carolina's got plenty of them. I mean, I'm sure Caleb Love will probably end up on him. That's that's a guy who's got trice by four inches. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to force him to take some, some shots that, you know, aren't necessarily great shots. Um, Johnny Davis has been able to get to the rim, you know, at times, but beyond that, you know, who can create their own shots. And I think that's part of the problem. Um, and then, you know, you can counter that in some ways by knocking down three point shots. And that's, I go back to like Reavers and Potter. Um, they're getting, good looks from three point range. Uh, you got to knock them down. I mean, you, you know, if you can get three points every once in a while, it just, it, it makes your offense look so much more efficient and, and they haven't been able to do that enough. Um, 
Davidson's been shooting well from three point range, but has been, you know, pretty awful from two point range. So it's a lot of things, Jesse. I mean, I, I, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. The other night turnovers, I mean, this has been one of the best teams in terms of turnover percentage and they committed some really awful ones the other night at, at key times and, and didn't even give themselves a chance to get out of shots. So it's been a little bit of everything. And I, I guess, you know, my takeaway is I don't know what their identity is at this point. I just, I don't know what their offensive identity is. Um, if Trice is not going, they really have a hard time scoring. Even when he is going at times, they there's not always a, an obvious uh, second option. So going into this tournament, obviously the season itself has been a disappointment. They've underachieved based on what was expected of them before the season. And maybe the expectations were too great. Maybe we put a little bit too much on that eight game run. Either way, what is it, what has to happen in the tournament for you to consider this to be a successful season? That's a good question. I mean, they, they definitely need to win a game. Um, I think if you go one and done, um, that just adds to the narrative of this, this disappointing season. Um, I think if you can beat North Carolina and, and play well against Baylor, I mean, don't lose by 20, 25 points. Um, it's, it's, I think what people really need to realize is that it's not, it, it, it's not easy to get the NCAA tournament. It's not as easy as people make it seem to get the NCAA tournament. And I know Wisconsin has this long, had this long streak and, and people are, you know, focusing on that, but you look at Purdue, they've missed the tournament two times under Matt Painter in the last seven or eight years and would have missed it last year. So uh, Michigan has missed the tournament time. This North Carolina team would have missed the tournament last year. So it's not, it, it, it happens and you can't judge a program based on one bad year. I think the difference here is that coming off last season, you expected, you expected the trend to just continue going upward and this, and this to be a, a second weekend team. Um, and I, it's just, it's hard for me to picture that happening. Um, it's, it's really two opponents that I don't think are great matchups for Wisconsin. So even if you get past the first one, um, you've got another really good team waiting for you. And it's, it's, it's hard for me to picture a, a sweet 16 run. I thought when I saw the draw was that there couldn't be a worse little quarter of the bracket for Wisconsin to be in. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's great matchups anywhere around, but what was your thought process when you saw the, the reveal of the draw for Wisconsin? Yeah, I thought that too. I mean, really once I kind of figured they were going to be an eight or nine, then it really, it was limited to two options, Gonzaga and Baylor. And I do think Baylor is probably the better option of those two, just because they have not, um, they're not the same team at this point that they were before the COVID pause. Um, so I, I feel like they're, beatable more so than Gonzaga, but I still don't think it's a great matchup. I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, this team is 0-9 against really good teams this year. And I don't think that's any, I don't see that changing. You know, I, I just, I think it was going to be a tough draw, whether they were an eight or a nine or maybe even a seven. And, and, and this goes back a couple of weeks now. I, I've been saying this, that they've kind of played themselves into this spot. If you win, if you win just one or two of those games, even if you beat Iowa, um, you know, on Friday night at the Big Ten tournament, you maybe play yourselves into the conversation for a seven seed. And and I think there's a cutoff between top seven or eight teams in the country and the, and the next tier. Um, and I thought, if you know, if they can just rally down the stretch a little bit, maybe get to a six seed, uh, they got a chance for the second weekend. But, man, they've, they've, they've just played themselves in a really bad spot by, by not winning enough, um, by not getting enough signature wins this season. You subscribe to the idea that they're just right there I mean, it's the, I guess, be subscribing to Greg Gard's theory that they're right there. It's just one or two plays right there, and they would be over the hump. Or is it something bigger than that? Well, I do think they played better. I agree with him. I I, I thought, um, you know, if you go back to the two minute, last two minutes of the Illinois game, and then I thought they played well at Purdue. You know, I didn't think there was any shame in losing that game. It, it, it's frustrating because you could have won it probably, and, and then you let it slip away. I'm sure it's frustrating for them. Um, at Iowa was kind of the same way. I thought they played better against Iowa that time than they did the first time around. So I, I saw, a, you know, I saw some trending upward. There's still, there's still bad moments though. Like the Penn state game, like not finishing off what should have been an easy win there was concerning. And, and the last nine minutes against Iowa was, um, was concerning. So it's, you know, there's enough in there to give you hope. I think if you're a Wisconsin fan, cause you do see it in small spurts, but you know, when's the last time they played a 40 minute, a good 40 minute game. And, and, and you look at their resume and it, it just, like I said before, it's just kind of, it's mediocre. Um, they beat, you know, 
Louisville by a lot of points, but that was a team coming off a of COVID pause and without its best player and, and the team that didn't even make the NCAA tournament. So there's just not, there's not much meat to Wisconsin's resume and, and they kind of are what they are. And it, it would be surprising to me if they some, somehow become something that um, they haven't been the entire year. Um, Man, am I a negative, by the way, huh? No, uh, you, you should hear me though, over the last three weeks, Jim. I feel like I've completely given up on this team. I'm, I'm usually an optimist, but having to watch every game this year has been a challenge. Hey, hey it, it, it certainly has been a challenge. So obviously you don't see a Sweet 16 run. Do you, do you, are you going to be staying in West Lafayette more than one night? Are you going to be getting a second game, or are you looking at them losing to Carolina too? I feel like it's just a really tough matchup. Um, I think it'll be a close game, uh, but I, I just, for me, it's, if you tell me that Nate Reavers and Micah Potter are going to stay out of foul trouble, I think they've got a chance. But if, if one of those guys gets in foul trouble, it puts a lot of, um, it puts a lot of pressure on the other guy. And, you know, guys like Liam Ford and Tyler Wall are going to have to um, hold their own on the rebounding. And Johnny Davis is going to have to do a good job of rebounding. I just think this game comes down to the, you know, maintaining or you know, limiting what North Carolina can do on the offensive glass. And of course, how well can Wisconsin shoot? I mean, if, if they shoot, you know, in the 40% range from three point range, I think they have a chance. It's just, again, like, I'm not going to feel confident if they're up five, you know, with six, seven minutes left in the game. We just, we've seen that, that movie play out before where they don't finish strong. So until that final, final buzzer wins and they, and final buzzer rings and they win the game, um, I can't say I have a lot of confidence. And if I have to draw a bracket out right now, um, I'm, I think I'm going to pick North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, one thing looking ahead, Trevor Anderson, Brad Davison, any of these guys, which ones do you think potentially return for next year? I think those are the two that potentially will. Um, I don't, and I, you know, this, the struggle of this year is you don't get to talk to guys one-on-one. I talked to Trevor in like January and he, um, he said he was still, you know, kind of waiting to decide. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that could come back and would certainly give them some experience at a, at a spot where they're going to be really young. Uh, but does he, you know, he's going to be 23 years old or is 23 years old. Does he want to come back for a sixth year and how's his body holding up? That's another thing is, you know, he's been through a lot from an injury standpoint. Does he want to put in another year for what I don't know will be a guaranteed starting spot or a guaranteed 20 minutes a game. Even I, I just don't know. Um, Davison's an interesting one to me. He wants to get into coaching. I think, um, you know, coming back and playing another year would help in that pursuit. But you just look at, you look at the way things have gone from an officiating standpoint. And I wonder whether he wants to put himself through that. Um, He's, he's clearly a target for big 10 officials. And, you know, I think you could argue that what he's done, um, some of the stuff he's done, he's deserving of that target. I think a lot of people would say that, and I get that sentiment. Um, so if you're him, do you want to come back and do it all over again for another year, knowing you're going to be basically um, with a young cast? I don't know. That's something for Brad to decide, and it's 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 a tough thing to predict because I do think he wants to kind of live in the moment and not not have to make a decision until after the season. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jim, thanks a lot for your time. My pleasure, guys. Take care. All right. There he is, Jim Polzine from Wisconsin State Journal. Uh, and that was uh, Jim Polzine for the Wisconsin State Journal. Uh, and before him, Bart Torbick. Appreciate both of them jumping on. All right, Jesse, let's get into uh, where we think things are going to play out in the bracket. We'll start with we'll start with Wisconsin. Do they beat North Carolina? Well, based on my pessimistic tone the last few weeks uh, I, I feel like I'm gonna stick with that and say no and, and maybe I'll be uh eating crow when we discuss the first two rounds <laughs> next week but I just feel like despite improvement down the stretch I haven't seen enough to believe that they're gonna get over the hump even in a matchup of two underwhelming teams yeah we'll, we'll see again uh it has been teams that have not necessarily reached the heights that they wanted to North Carolina though in, in a little bit different situation in Wisconsin is they started off rough and uh, have played better basketball of late. Wisconsin has played better of late. It just hasn't showed up in the win and loss column. I am also going to go with North Carolina. However, Oh, come on. I however, thought you had them in the sweet 16. Uh, however, if they beat North Carolina, I got them beating Baylor and getting to the sweet 16. 
So I'm well, saying. I don't think you're allowed to fill that out on your bracket if you say that you pick North Carolina, but not true, not true. I can fill out numerous brackets. I know that's, that's what you true. do all the time. I know you. I know not you have. All. I know you have like six or seven. But hey, you know, you know what? Now, you know what? What 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 does it hurt for me to say Wisconsin beat North Carolina? I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this podcast into a positive because you've been so you're so negative all the time. Um, <laughs> That uh, yeah, I got you know what, screw. It. I'll take I'll take Wisconsin, Wisconsin over North Carolina, Wisconsin over Baylor, Wisconsin makes it to the Sweet Sixteen, and we'll be back uh, next week to talk about how wrong I was. No, um, but just so in, in case, I mean, we will be back next week. We will be talking about Wisconsin getting to the Sweet Sixteen, or we'll be talking about how Wisconsin season was a, a huge disappointment and what what it's looking towards next year. We'll we'll do our look ahead to next season, but. I'll go. I'll, I'll say. I'll say. Wisconsin wins two games this weekend and makes it to the second weekend of the tournament. I have a hard time believing you, but we'll see. Why you have a hard time believing that it's actually going to happen. Uh, that it's actually going to happen, and that you really believe it since you changed your <laughs> mind after five seconds. I changed your mind because you, you you pressured me, Jesse. You pressured me into that, and I, uh, I I'm okay with that. But it it was some pressure. So all right. So uh, as I asked uh, both Jim and uh, and Bart. Is this the year of the Big Ten? I think kind of we've talked about it in previous shows. Is this the year of the Big Ten snaps that 20-year streak of no national titles? Yes. I'll go out on a limb with that. Who gets it's, it? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I'll take – oh, it really put me on the spot. I want to say Illinois or Michigan, which is the easiest thing to say since they're the two one seeds. I guess I'll go Illinois. I think that is going to be outside of Gonzaga. That's going to be the most popular pick. Yeah. I like their bracket. You know, Houston's the two seed, nothing against Houston's Houston's 24 and three, but I don't know. It just, I mean, the way manageable. Illinois played down the stretch and the way that they were forced to, because of, and really, because none of their, it was not their choice, but playing all those games in like one week. I remember the, the, the week that they played Wisconsin in Madison and they did it without IO, um, you know, that was impressive. They've been the most impressive Big Ten team of late. Um, Ohio State, you know, almost blowing a couple of big leads in the Big Ten tournament kind of and, and had a little bit of a streak late, losing to some obviously really good teams. But I think that, to me, they're right now playing the second best of these guys. I'm worried about Michigan because Isaiah Livers, is he going to be able to play? It doesn't I, – I guess I'd be surprised at this point. His foot's in a boot. Um, whether he's going to be able to go or not. And that's just a huge loss. I'm not sure it's something that they can overcome in Iowa. Just don't trust him. Don't trust. I mean, they won a game for the first time without scoring 70 points all year when they beat Wisconsin scoring 62. Uh, I don't, I just, I don't trust him. I don't trust Jason. I don't trust uh, Jordan Bohannon, you know, and, and Luca Garza is Luca Garza, but I just, I just don't trust him overall. Yeah, Illinois, I mean, the, just the guard-big-man combo with Coper yeah. and DeSumo is, is outstanding. DeSumo's averaging almost 21 points a game. And you mentioned Illinois playing Wisconsin. They beat Wisconsin without their best player. Yeah. Coburn is such a load. And I also like Andre Cabello just from watching, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Big Ten Tournament Championship game, just his ability to control the game with his ball handling and his smart decision-making. He hit a critical jumper there in the in overtime. So they've got the pieces to, to do it. And – Look, it's been so long without a Big Ten champion. This just feels like this is the year because there are nine Big Ten teams in the tournament. No other conference has more than seven. It was so top-heavy where you've got four conference teams that are one or two seeds. So I'll be on board for the Big Ten. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jesse, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week either talking about Wisconsin moving on or uh, the end of the year. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch up next week. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.